0: Well, thank you so much, Amanda, for that update. Remember, just uh, in around 11.45 Central African time, we'll get our business news a little bit later, find out what's happening in terms of the trends in business. And thereafter, also, we'll get our sports update from Fiyile Lingwati. Well, let's look at today's topic, one that is currently very confusing for me because there's so many things happening in this regard, but a very important subject matter that we need to tackle and look at, which is... uh, uh, the really volatile oil prices that we are seeing currently, not just on in the continent, but everywhere else in the world as we've seen a lot of challenges. Oil rose for a fourth session in a row yesterday, lifted by the prospect that top exporter Saudi Arabia will push OPEC, which is the organization of the petroleum exporting countries, and maybe Russia to cut supply towards the end of this year. Uh, OPEC, uh, led by Saudi Arabia, is pushing for the group and its partners to reduce output by 1 million to 1.4 million barrels per day to prevent a buildup of unused fuel. And it's said that despite yesterday's gains, Brent is almost 25% below early October's 2018 peak of $86 as evidence of slowing demand has materialized and output from the united states russia and saudi arabia hit historic highs we know also that uh, just uh, earlier in the month uh, uh, the trump administration announced sanctions uh, against uh, iran we know that they want to actually uh, look at the issue of uh, oil exports, and we know the contestations that Donald Trump has been having with OPEC. So we're going to try contextualize this and also look at uh, uh, the African context of what's happening with uh, uh, the oil and gas price uh, on the continent. Well, to assist us on this very big subject matter, we're joined on the line by Lukmin Otunuga, who's a research analyst at FXT, and we have on the line Chris bradenhen who is the Price Waterhouse Cooper's uh, Africa Oil and Gas advisor advisory leader uh, let me just start with you lukman in terms of uh, the unpredictability that we're seeing right now especially when it comes to the insistence of uh, donald trump saying that uh, opec is actually reaping the rest of the world he's made statements such as that and we know also that uh, uh, even the sanctions have created a huge contestation within uh, the oil industry what are your thoughts around the oh, no, current uh, space that we find ourselves currently. Uh, Lukman.
1: Thank you very much for having me here today, Benjamin. It's a pleasure. Um, So when we're looking at oil prices, uh, especially the price action, we can see that oil has been unquestionably bearish in the past two months due to ongoing supply and demand-side concerns. Um, Rising global supply and worrying signs of slowing demand growth remain the key players behind oil's woes. So, although we do have a lot of uh, confusion or volatility created by Trump, I think looking deeper into the matter, the reason why oil prices are trading where they're trading right now is simply because, number one, supply-side factors in the form of um, rising global production, the fact that U.S. show production has uh, soared by almost 25% to a record of 11.7 million barrels a day, which is above both Russia and Saudi Arabia that have fuel oversupply concerns. And when we look at the demand side of the equation, we have to keep in mind that ongoing ongoing trade tensions remain a significant threat to global growth now if we have a situation where global growth is uh, impacted and forced this could negatively impact demand for crude so these are the two reasons why oil is trading where they're trading right now
0: and let's bring in chris bradenham who's the price waterhouse cooper's africa oil and gas advisory leader chris are you there with me I am, Benjamin. Good morning. Thank you for giving us your time, Chris, as well. And I know that from your perspective, we're going to be looking at the PwC's annual Africa and Gas Review, which uh, was very interesting in terms of uh, the outlook showed tough economic conditions and uh, uh, also on, on the bigger scale So far lower uh, um, discoveries over the past year Uh, let's contextualize what's happening in terms of uh, africa's oil production levels Um, from your side um, how can you contextualize things from an african perspective for us
2: sure yeah we do this annual uh, review that that really takes a a view of the state of the the industry across the african continent and and looking at this year's review i think a few points are, are worth mentioning starting off with just the reserves and production and 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 we've seen that the African continent has largely remained unchanged in terms of reserves and, and production, both in terms of oil and gas, at around seven 7.5% of, of the, the the world's proven reserves and and um, for for oil and and gas, we've we've also seen um, that uh the, the level of discoveries um, has been has been relatively low. But if we look at global risk, uh, discoveries, we we do see that that on the African continent. Um, we, we do have some discoveries that, that feature in the, in the, the, the top 10 um, and specifically um, uh, discoveries in uh, Senegal uh, with uh, Cosmos Energy. So, so we've, we've seen a, a decline in, um, in, in recoveries or discoveries. Um, and what, what is important to, to note about this in the context also of where the oil price is going is that there's a key feature in the industry, that, that is referred to as a replacement ratio, which says how fast are you replacing the, the reserves that you that you actually producing, and and that ratio has consistently been going down over the last few years as a result of of a lack of investment in upstream exploration and production, and the last time that we that we hit 100 percent reserve replacement ratio was in 2006. So that, by implication, says that that whilst we we see short-term volatility in oil prices, um, there, there's also a need to take a longer-term view as to where the industry is going, and, and saying if you're not uh, replacing as fast as you're producing, at some point you you your supply and demand fundamentals are are, are going to tell you that, that that you're heading for, for a bit of a crunch as well, and and mm. and perhaps one of the key fact to demonstrate the point is that, that between 2014 and 2016 we've seen a 71% decline in oil and gas exploration spend in Africa. but. Uh, we do have a bit of a positive outlook in in this report and it's partly based on on a view that there's a compound annual growth rate of about 18% forecast between 2018 and and 2030 in terms of of exploration spend as well so mm-hmm. we're seeing that that it that it's recovering and indicative of a of a recovery also in the slightly higher oil price environment that, that leads to a bit more profitability
0: for for the industry and and then where do we sit in the middle of this entire debate, especially the fact that now we've seen the oil issue become a very geopolitical uh, agenda, Chris? Uh, where does Africa sit in, in this particular context, especially when it comes to the supply and demand issue?
2: Yeah, it, it, it's a very valid point around the geopolitics uh, politics around this. Um, the, the oil prices is much driven by, by market fundamentals as, as the, the geopolitics of it. Um, we we have uh, OPEC member countries in Africa, notably Angola, Nigeria, uh, more recently as well um, Gabon. Um, and uh, when OPEC meets, I think in about two weeks' time again, uh, where there's this debate about uh, uh, oil price uh, or production uh, cuts, um, there there are uh, implications for for the African OPEC members as well. Now in the past, uh, we we've had um, Caps uh, or limits put on on the the cuts that that some of the African producers were uh, were exposed to as a result of of the negative impacts of of the lower oil prices, um, and and it, it it remains to be seen how the African continent would would be impacted by uh, OPEC decisions and how the the whether there would remain any further exemptions. But but the reality is that, that the geopolitics of of the day is driving where the oil price is going, and and I think. Uh, Um, OPEC is is trying it's hardest to to try and maintain a level of control over this Mm. Um, and and they need to to maintain a level of control over all of their members as well to to play ball um, with, uh, with the decisions that they do take.
0: Well, that's the voice of Chris Bradenhan, who is the PricewaterhouseCoopers Africa oil and gas advisory leader. On the line, we also have Luke Otunuga, research analyst at FXT, joining us. I want to take a break, and I want us to actually continue this conversation because there's a lot of uh, complex uh, issues, especially as uh, we've seen after the decision for uh, sanctions against Iran. We saw a U.S. decision to grant waivers to some of Iran's oil customers. Uh, who faced the prospect of a drop-off in supply from sanctions that came into force in early uh, November. And uh, how does that actually complicate that situation? We'll actually look at that when we come back after the break. Under the high patronage of His Majesty King Mohammed VI, Morocco is celebrating the 20th anniversary of AfriCities from November the 20th to the 24th in Marrakesh.
2: But what is AfriCities?
0: It is the most important democratic gathering in Africa. Morocco will welcome more than 5,000 participants, including 3,000 African elected officials, who will imagine its future under the theme of transition towards sustainable cities. Afri. Cities will host more than 150 sessions with an exhibition space of 8,000 square meters and 15,000 expected visitors. So, meet us in Marrakesh, the beating heart of Africa on the move. Channel Africa will be there and will bring you news and views of and from the event. So join Channel Africa between the 20th to the 24th of November at the 8th edition of the AfriCities in Marrakesh, Morocco. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Well, we'll be broadcasting uh, uh, through that particular feed in Marrakesh on a Thursday and uh, we'll be uh, looking at the 8th edition of Afri City Summit which where our colleagues are right now in Marrakesh and we'll be connecting with them and having a conversation on how do you create sustainable cities on the African continent. So do check out that conversation on Thursday. Well, right now we're looking at the issue of the oil price. Uh, why are we seeing so many issues around around that and how are they affecting me and you as ordinary Africans. Uh, We've got on the line Lukman Otunuga, research analyst at FXT and Chris Bradenhern who is from Price Waterhouse Coopers. He's the Africa oil and gas advisory leader. Lukman, let's come back to that international dynamic of Donald Trump and there have been many contradictions since the sanctions and as I highlighted before the break, the, the US actually decided to grant waivers to some of Iran Oil customers, how does that actually complicate the situation, and how does that actually make things also more unpredictable in the space that we find ourselves in?
1: Well, if we look closely at the price, the oil price movement, we can actually see that oil prices started to decline following the news that um, the Donald Trump has actually granted waivers to eight um, to eight eight of. The, <clears throat> eight exporters. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to answer your question, um, these waivers have actually reduced the impact of the Iran sanctions, hence mm-hmm. that's why we're seeing so. oil prices trading where they're trading. Uh, uh, moving forward, the sentiment pendulum is clearly swinging in favour for bears, and it does complicate the matters even further. My conclusion to the outlook for oil is the underlying fundamentals point to weaker oil prices in the coming months.
0: And, Chris, is it a good sign? Because some people say maybe for the customer it's good that we having this big competitive space. Maybe the sanctions are good to actually uh, manage OPEC in some sort of way. Uh, or is this actually going to be something that bites us uh, in the future? <laughs>
2: I suppose when, when you take a, a, a take a view through a, a consumer's lens, um, uh, consumers are, are impacted at the pump, um, and as the oil price goes up, and, and certainly as we saw in South Africa, significant increases at, at the pump price levels. Um, and uh, over the last few uh, month or so, we, we've seen the price decline again, and, and resulting in a significant forecast deeply uh, decrease in. In the in the pump price, I, I think uh, there, there's a there, there are two sides to to this. Um, on the one side, you have the, the non-producing countries, uh, a country like South Africa, as an example, that that is an importer, that is that is exposed to both foreign currency volatility as well as the commodity price volatility, um, and and the consumers feel that and it, it does have a direct impact on uh, on the economy. On producing nations, um, the the impact is is also Quite big, and, and what we've seen uh, since 2014, when the oil price declined, uh, the, the producing nations and, and the oil companies operating uh, in in those have taken uh, very extensive measures to reduce uh, cost and and to to try and return to profitability. And I think um, uh, the industry is, is, has been able to generate a level of of, volat- uh, of, of agility in um, in their operations, to to ride. Through these storms, um, they've they've uh, and and they've done things like removing over specifications on projects, standardisation of equipment. They've looked at new business models and alliances and and joint ventures. Um, and and through that they've been able to reduce the break-even cost so so where where we find ourselves is the industry is adapting and, and is agile and if you're producing nation you need to do that because there, there's also a certain level of reliance of the economy on on um, on the the, the oil that, uh, that that you do produce so sure. the risk as I see it now as the prices have recovered um, is, is that uh, oil companies might be giving away some of the gains that they've made through cost inflation, I think that is important for for them to also manage. And in that context, can Africa producers
0: actually take advantage of this particular moment that we find ourselves? I mean, in this report, it speaks about uh, exploration spent in Africa and globally is starting to pick up as well. Uh, So could we find opportunities as Africa in this contestation that we find ourselves internationally?
2: yes I think so uh, whilst um, uh, I, I agree that there's there's some some downward pressure on, on the oil price if you were to take a longer-term view and and the, the factors I mentioned earlier around an historic uh, the cut in, in exploration expenditure at, at some point into the future um, uh, th- this is a long long-term investment cycle um, and and that might result in um, a, a bit of a supply crunch uh, which which will then end up in in, um in in higher prices as well as we've seen in Africa we we, we do have some significant fines and, and these fines and investment uh, made to to uh, develop these these fines happen as a result of the recovery that we've seen over the uh, over the last few months um and and um which then obviously generates opportunity to contribute to, to the national economies of of those producing countries and We've also seen final investment decisions being taken in Mozambique. As, a, as a, if we could point to a specific country or territory, um, in in the gas space where where the gas developments there are, are um, uh, fast moving forward now, um, and uh, with enormous levels of investment, um, billions of dollars being invested in um, in, in uh, uh, Mozambique, that that would be of benefit to the to the development of that local economy, but also the the regional economy so so there are positives to, to take out of this definitely
0: well let's look at also the debate in terms of uh, supply and demand lukman opec which has been led by saudi arabia has been pushing for the group and partners to reduce output by 1 million to 1.4 million barrels per day uh, to prevent a build up um, what are your thoughts around that discussion and its impact in terms of uh, that output uh, uh, issue
1: well, this could be looked at in many dimensions. Firstly, there is a lot of um, speculation over OPEC, possibly cotton, supply by 1 to 1.4 million barrels per day when they meet on the 6th of December. But I think it's also important to keep in mind that Russia has already made it clear that it does not think it, a cut may be necessary. So based on this, um, it's uh, open to question if um, a cut will actually materialise where they meet in December. If such becomes reality, and OPEC do move forward to cutting production by 1 to 1.4 million, this could end up pushing oil prices higher. However, I think we should also keep in mind that a sharp spike in oil prices could impact energy demand, especially those for developing nations that have suffered to an appreciating dollar. And moving forward, even if oil prices do end up edging higher near the end of the year. Uh, when we look at the supply side the manic di- dynamics and the fact that U.S. oil production remains at such robust levels and um, global growth fares have impacted or have raised the fares of uh, oil demand falling. Um, I still keep to what I was saying earlier about how the medium, the short to medium term outlook mm. for oil points to further downside.
0: OK, now I want to contextualize this, Chris, because someone would say and ask the question, are we seeing OPEC actually now losing control over the market, especially with the interventions of countries such as the U.S., China, and also the United States here? And is it a good thing that we're seeing uh, OPEC being challenged uh, in terms of uh, democratizing that particular market? <laughs>
2: I think, um, uh, given the uh, the, the large scale um, unconventional developments uh, taking place that, that was referred to earlier as well in the in the US and and, and the volume of, of uh, additional production that has been added by uh, by the US, um, I, I think that that. Has had a, a significant impact on the ability of OPEC to to remain in control. I think also within uh, OPEC itself, um, there, there there isn't necessarily always the the consistency or, or agreement in terms of what what needs to needs to happen. And 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 I think there are different. Um, Levels at, at which uh, the national uh, budgets of, of member countries balance, um, and uh, whilst Saudi Arabia might uh, might want uh, a certain level, um, uh, a Russia w- would be happy to um, to to see an oil price at a lower level in in terms of their own level of balancing of of national budgets. So so I think um, the the the. Very strong position that OPEC had in the past is being eroded because of of, of other developments, um, and I think uh, uh, that that uh, I, I, that uh, the geopolitics around all mm. of this uh, also plays a plays quite a big role mm. so, so I think it's, uh, we, we're, moving, we're moving towards uh, the, the fundamentals driving it uh, more but, but I don't think you can underestimate mm. the, the, still the power that OPEC as a block has to, to influence
0: Lugman, mm. what are your thoughts on that issue of seeing the US and Russia intervention versus uh, the, the OPEC as a body uh, how do you think that changes things in terms of the market?
1: Uh, as um, As we can see um the rise in production from especially Russia. And um, uh, U.S. show has um, taken some power over OPEC. So this is what we were discussing about earlier. Even though OPEC has made it known to want to cut production um, in an effort to push prices higher, if, the, if Russia says no and if U.S. show continues to you know, pump production insistently, um, all prices are likely to remain at depressed levels.
0: Okay, I'm going to take a quick break and then when we come back, we're going to wrap up the conversation and maybe let's look at how uh, the future of oil production looks, especially looking at the current friction. Um, it's very, very interesting to see where things are going, especially with the type of uh, conversations that have been happening within uh, the uh, the big superpowers. and You see how they really are determined to actually control things on very economic fronts uh, so let's take a quick break we'll be back after this welcome to change your game on channel africa the african perspective we are coming to you from johannesburg right here in south africa i'm asanda beda your host change your game the program that promotes open discussion and social dialogue as we highlight real issues in the african entrepreneurship ecosystem Trevor Mumba now joins us in studio to talk about his entrepreneurial and personal journey. Welcome to Change Your Game, Trevor. Thank you so much. Um, it's an honor to be here. Palesa Mukubung, who's a designer. Welcome, Palesa, to Change Your Game. Thank you. Your role at the fourth annual Fashion Without Borders event.
2: I just know that I need to
0: arrive and,
2: and, <laughs> okay. and do my part and do it really, really well. Yeah. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective.
0: Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French and English, giving you an African
1: perspective.
2: Hi, my name is Tandalu and you are listening to
0: Channel Africa.
1: We are Channel Africa from an African
0: perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Yes, you are listening to Channel Africa where we see things from an African perspective. Thank you for joining us on our various platforms via our shortwave service on DSTV Channel 802, on the audio bouquet and remember if you're streaming us live, we're on www.channelafrica.co.za Having a very fantastic conversation with our two guests today they're helping us understand what's happening when it comes to the oil price. We're joined by Lukmen Menotunuga from London and He's a research analyst at FXT, and Chris uh, Bradenham is joining us as well from Cape Town, if I'm not mistaken. He is uh, from the Price Waterhouse Coopers organization, and he's the Africa Oil and Gas Advisory Leader. And uh, I want us to make speculations right now, Lukman, in terms of looking at the future of uh, oil production do you see it going anywhere do you think this particular political situation sets a precedence for uh, a future outlook
1: so w- w- when to answer your question um, i think we have to keep in mind that the fact of the matter when we're looking at oil remains that global inventories are back on the rise while global supply is uh, simply outstripping demand so mm-hmm. While production continues to rise in um, U.S. Shell, while U.S. Shell production continues to rise, even if we do have a situation where OPEC decides to cut production, we still have um, output from Russia and U.S. So, the outlook for oil, I guess, like I'm going back to what I was saying previously, is as long as um, the oversupply dynamics or concerns over oversupply becoming a major theme um, continue to haunt investor attraction and... uh, Demand side factors in the form of uh, slowing global growth and potentially uh, dropping demand growth from uh, developing nations remain present. Um, uh, Right now, looking at oil, it will be very difficult to see oil rebounding back to levels, Mm. back to um, the 65, 70 regions.
0: Mm. Chris, Lukman is completely right, especially with his emphasis saying that we don't want to see ourselves in a situation where we have more supply than a demand and it seems like that's where things are going currently What's your outlook in terms of the current uh, political
2: scenario? Yeah, I think um, if, if I could perhaps... Um Take a, a slightly longer-term view on, on so, this because I, I, I do agree with with the the, uh, the 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 position being put forward in terms of of uh, the, the current supply and demand balance. And if we could take an African view, and and we say that that, that Africa is is, is the fastest-growing region in terms of economic activity, sixty percent uh, growth co- uh, forecast to twenty thirty compared to forty-five percent globally, and we're expecting the African population to increase by one-third to to more more than 1.7 billion by by 2030, and we expect a, a vehicle fleet to double in size also by by that time. And, and half of our African population will live in in, in urban areas yeah. that, that would increase the demand for 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 energy in terms of transportation, heating, communication, industrial production, and so, so forth. So so I think when when you when you take a view like that, then you say, well, in an energy context for Africa, where does oil and gas fit? And and then my answer to that is that the hydrocarbons will continue to play a significant role. Sure. I don't think we'll we'll see in the short term this this uh, lo, uh, the uh, shift in, in energy transition to electric vehicles, and and we also expect with all of this economic growth a lot of construction, which again drives oil and gas and and, and liquid fuels demand, specifically diesel, as part of the the construction phases that we we're going into. And uh, we, we need uh, uh, more refined fuels. So I think in in the short term, short to medium term we, we have this volatility that we're looking at. but in the longer term if we if we were to take an outlook, um, I would I would certainly have a positive outlook in terms of the demand for for energy and specifically hydrocarbons in in Africa, given where where the continent, continent is going to as well. And in terms of adaptations that we need to make
0: as a continent, uh, I know that uh, the, uh, the, the report that you've released as PWC, uh, the African Oil Gas Review, also uh, makes some recommendations in, in that regard.
2: uh, Sorry, can you just repeat the recommendations in regard to... In terms
0: of adapting to these current uh, challenges that uh, uh, we're seeing right now and also what uh, we started talking about was that is in the report, the the current constraints that we're seeing on the African continent.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I, I think it is important for uh, for players on on the continent to um, uh, to to make sure that uh, they are positioned correctly. And and in our report as well, we uh, we we had a, a specific focus around um, national oil companies as key players uh, and and government representatives uh, in in the oil industry. And and in in that regard, we we had a look at at, at saying that there are none of, of scenarios that, that could play out and, and the, the, the future for, for these national oil companies depend on the extent of regulatory certainty um, that that you may have and, and also whether their economies are hydrocarbon resource-based or, or, or much more diversified and, and less reliant on uh, on hydrocarbon. So in an environment where you have regulatory certainty, um, there, there's, a, there's certainly a much more positive outlook and and, uh, you're able to adapt and adjust and and make investment decisions. So uh, in an an uncertain environment, you you end up with with, uh, national oil companies that find themselves constrained by um, by, by the the environment or or even we we came up with um, the, the, the four types of potentially mm. types of national oil companies and an evolving NOC that works in this regulatory certain environment where hydrocarbons are important uh, but also uh, uh, the super national energy company of the future that that not only relies on hydrocarbons but but also take a, a, a wider energy view but on the on the dark side you may have constrained NOCs and condemned NOCs and the condemned NOC finds itself in a regulatory uncertain mm. environment where where you ha- also have a diversified economy. Hmm. So it's important that, that, that you, you assess where you find yourself um, understand uh, wh- what is driving uh, the, the, the agenda manage cost uh, manage the regulatory environment and, and make the right investment mm. decisions mm. Um, in, in order to, to to take advantage of of the um, uh, the hydrocarbon resources that you might have available to yourself.
0: Well Chris, thank you for giving us your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you for also contextualizing things from an African perspective. Uh, that's Kristin uh, Chris Bredenhan who is uh, from Price Waterhouse Cooper He's the Africa Oil and Gas Advisory Leader. Thank you as well to Luke Otunuga. It's always great speaking to you. He's a research analyst at FXT. Gents, thank you for giving us your time. We really appreciate it.